0: So I want to start with prayer, and we're going to jump right into it, okay? Father, I pray that uh, you'd meet with us tonight. I thank you, Father, that you have already uh, been working in our lives, and we've, we've had a few testimonies of things that you're doing in people's lives, and, and we are indeed grateful for that. Uh, Father, I pray over the, the people that are here tonight, because I know there's also some silent needs, some silent hurts, Uh, some situations and things that they're dealing with and struggling with and needing answers to or whatever it may be Uh, maybe needing a financial miracle. Lord I pray your Holy Spirit tonight would, would encourage these people and I pray Father that you'd meet their needs and I ask Father that in a very special way you'd speak tonight through your word and give each of us the direction that we need. Thank you for for your word. Thank you, Father, for those who have gone before us and those who can speak to us even now, uh, yet though they're dead. And I pray for your spirit now to be our guide. In Christ. name I pray. Amen. Well, I really am excited and looking forward to, to uh, sharing with you. You're going to hear a little bit of my story on Sunday morning. Uh, I, w- I had a time where back in the fall where, where I was really having a hard time hearing from God and I'm going to explain that to you on Sunday morning and I went away for two or three days and uh, one of the things that I found in the little apartment where I was camped out was was this book well not this book it was a copy like this I didn't steal their book <laughs> I was so good I just took it with me you know Gideons do it so <laughs> no I, I actually got a copy of it after I came back it's it's called the divine mentor and most of what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight over the next several weeks uh, just comes directly out of this book, but it, it was just refreshing to me, and it talks about letting God through His Word and the people in the Bible be the mentors in your life, and it gives you some very practical ways to, uh, to let the Bible be your mentor, and that's what I'm going to be sharing with you uh, over the next four or five Sundays or, or Wednesdays. Now, I did tell you Sunday that uh, you need to bring a, a notebook, and if you don't have it tonight, that's okay, we're not going to really use it a lot tonight, I just want to make sure you had one, but if you have your notebook, hold it up, it, it could be any kind of notebook, it can be one like this, oh, I am so thrilled. Uh, iPads don't work, Chris, I'm sorry, I, I'm thrilled most of you have a notebook, that's awesome, that's absolutely awesome, uh, iPads will work, it's just going to be a little different for you, but... Uh, So, if you any kind of a notebook will work. Any size of a notebook will work. Any shape of a notebook. If you do have a notebook, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the very back of the notebook. Just whatever notebook you have, go to the very back. Last page. Get your notebook out. Last page. And then count back about five pages. Okay? So, we're gonna go to the very back of the notebook. Count back about five pages. After you, and if you don't get it exactly right, that's okay. After you get to the very back of your notebook, the last five pages or so, on the top of that page, I want you to write session one notes. Just at the top of the page, big black letters, session one notes. Now, here's what I want you to do tonight. Tonight, I want you to just use that page or, and the following pages behind it to take any notes you want to take. I'm not giving you an outline tonight. You've got a, a place there in your notebook to take notes. And what I'm envisioning is that each Wednesday night when you come, you can turn to the back of your page, and next week, you can turn to the next page, put session two notes, and just write down the notes that, that you want to take, session three notes, et cetera. okay? And... Next week we'll probably be talking about the front of your workbook, the front of your notebook, and what you need to do with that. So if you don't have a a notebook, you don't need it really big time tonight, except just take some general notes, but try to have one with you uh, next week, okay? All right. now, let me tell you that a little bit of what I'm going to say tonight is going to be a review for some of you. If you were here on a Sunday night, two or three weeks ago, I talked about how to read your Bible differently I'm going to take just the first few minutes and rehearse that for all of us, but especially for the benefit of those who were not here uh, with us that Sunday night. So if the first three or four minutes sound familiar, that's what I'm doing. I'm just rehearsing, reminding all of us, as well as introducing something new uh, to our students. But here's what I want to do. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever closed your Bible in frustration? Have you ever just you read your Bible, you closed it in frustration, wondering what was wrong with you? Have you ever closed your Bible in frustration wondering why you didn't get more out of, of the Bible study? I mean, you hear Chris speak all the time. You hear Pastor Keith speak all the time. Your BSF t- teacher speak all the time. And they tell you you need to read your Bible. And they tell you that God will speak to you through your Bible. But have you... Don't answer it out loud because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. But have you ever done what, what we've asked you to do? Have you ever read your Bible and then you close it and you walk away thinking, man, I just got nothing out of that. And you just kind of get frustrated. And it's not that you didn't make an honest effort. You, you made an honest effort to sit down and study God's Word. You poured time and energy into what you were doing. You tried to do, do a kind of a process and tried to make it all work. And then to make things worse, you, you talk to somebody else who tells you what they read in their Bible and what they got out of their Bible study and how much God's speaking to them. And you're wondering, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Why is it when I open my Bible... I don't get that much out of it. On 11 different occasions, listen to this. On 11 different occasions, Jesus said to the most well-read people of his time, Have you never read? 11 times. Jesus said to the most well-read people of his day, Have you never read? Now, of course they had read. They had read God's Word. They, they, They had memorized God's Word. They had copied God's Word. Of course they had read. But here's what he was saying. Though you have read it, it hasn't changed anything in you. Uh, they didn't grasp what they were reading, apparently, and it wasn't changing anything in their lives. And I think for us tonight, for our students, for our, all of us adults, uh, I think the problem usually is not that we don't know how to read. The problem is, listen to this, we don't know, how to, we don't know what to do with what we've read. We, we just don't know what to do with what we read. And so, over the next four or five weeks, I want to help you with that. I want to help you discover what you can do with what you read. I'm going to try to make this as practical as I can make it. Tonight is going to be kind of more of an introduction kind of a thing. Then the next several weeks, it's going to be as practical as we can make it. In fact, next week and, probably, and maybe the next, we'll take a couple of weeks just to say, okay, here's how you do it. Here's the process. Here's how you go about it. Here's, here's how you become a self-feeder. And then the, for one or two weeks, we're probably going to take a text together and just kind of dig our way through it, take a text together, study in it together, and it's going to be a different experience for us uh, to take that text together and work on it together and kind of disciple one another as we work our way through the text. So that's kind of what the plan is, and I hope that if you have to miss a night, you'll miss tonight, okay? In other words, come back for all the other ones. Now, I want to ask you a question. I, I bet some of you have done this. And if you have, raise your hand. It'll be, it'll be fun to see who has done this. How many of you have ever ridden a bicycle with just one pedal? Several of you have. All right, good. Now, Andy, why did you ride, ride the bicycle with just one pedal? Exactly. That's one of the reasons. You have one come off, and you've got to get it home, and so you just ride it with one pedal. Who else is with one pedal? Over here, anybody with one pedal? Why did you ride it with one pedal? You were bored. I've done the same thing. He I wonder if I could do this. How do you ride it with one pedal, by the way? What, how do you do that? Push and pull, that's right. You push it down, pull it up with your foot. Push it down, pull it up. So, so if it breaks, it comes off. If you're bored, any other reasons you rode it with one pedal? I've done this several times. I, maybe I'm different from the rest of you. Uh, once was when I was bored, once was when it came off, uh, and once uh, was when I hurt my foot, and I had to get home. And so it was too hard to, to pedal with both feet, so with that hurt foot, so I was pedaling with, with one foot. Now, can you ride a bike with just one pedal? Yes, you sure can, but it's not very fun, and you're not going to do it very far, probably. Not very easy. It's, that's not the way it was intended to be ridden, ridden. Now, just reading your Bible, listen to this, listen, listen, listen. Just reading your Bible, if that's all you do, if you just read the Bible, it's kind of like riding a bicycle with one pedal. Now, it's a good thing that you're reading the Bible, but you're missing the way it was designed. You're not not experiencing all you could experience. It's kind of like riding a bicycle with just one pedal. Now, I want to suggest that you start thinking about the Bible differently. Because, you see, God doesn't want you just to read your Bible. He wants you to live what you're reading. That's the two petals. Reading the Bible is one petal. Living the Bible is the other petal. And if you have those two petals working together, then it's really good, your life's going to change. But if you're just reading the Bible, it's like trying to ride that bicycle with just one pedal. You've got to have that second pedal which is living what you're reading, living the Bible. Reading the Bible, living the Bible. Reading the Bible, living the Bible. So we want to help you do that. I want to suggest that you start thinking about the Bible differently. What, would it, what if you started looking at the people of the Bible in this way? Listen to this. What if you started reading and looking at the people in the Bible as mentors in your life? Men and women you can learn from. God has given us some people in the Bible, some mentors who can speak to us even though they're now dead. I want you to take your Bibles right now. We'll going to look at several scriptures tonight. The first one I want you to see is in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is one of the scriptures we looked at on that Sunday night. But I want everybody to, to hear it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First eleven verses. As I read this, I want you to notice the contrast in the passage between us and them. All right? The contrast between us and them. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They they all ate the same spiritual food. And drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. So he's talking about some people long ago. We get that, all right? Now let's see what happens. Verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do you see the contrast there between us and them? These things happen to keep us from experiencing what they experienced. So let's keep reading. Do not, therefore, he says, verse 7, Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. Again, notice the contrast here. Us and them. Look what he says. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did. And were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did. And were killed by the destroying angel. Now look at verse 11, a key verse. These things happened to them as examples. And look at this. And were written down as warnings... For who? For us. On whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Corinth, said, Listen, I want to make sure you understand something. These things that were written down were not just written down so that you'd know about them. These things were not just written down so you'd have a record of it. These things were not just written down to give you something to read. These things were written down as examples for us. And then he explains, he said, so that's, here's what I'm talking about. He says, for instance, do not participate in sexual immorality like they did. And he gives this whole list of things we should not do that they did. There's that whole comparison between us and them. These things were written down as examples for us. Now, what if, what if you started reading your Bible with that perspective? Instead of just saying, I need to read my Bible because I'm supposed to read my Bible. What if you started reading the Bible because these are your mentors in life to show you how you should live your life? What if you started reading your Bible looking at what they did to help you do what they did? Or looking at how they messed up to help you avoid how they messed up? You see, the Bible can help you avoid costly errors, and it can help you avoid... Years of regret, because in the Bible, you're brought, listen to this, you're brought face-to-face with others who struggled with the same thing you're struggling with. Face-to-face with others who are struggling with the same thing you're struggling with. Paul is saying, don't just read these stories. Don't just read these stories. That's, that's a bicycle with one pedal. But let these people mentor you. Let these people teach you. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and you're likely to repeat their mistakes. Now, there's an interesting comment in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. I'll, here's what I want to do. I want you to go over to the right. Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews, chapter 4, uh, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to ask one of our students to read the first two verses Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Uh, One of our students, would you stand and read that out loud for me, please? Come on, who's going to be the brave student? Go ahead. Go ahead. Who's, Who's going to do it? There you go. You got this. Thank you. I want you to notice something again in this passage of Scripture, much like the other passage of Scripture, a contrast between us and them. But there's something else I want you to see. Look at verse 2. For we also, that's us, we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But notice this. But the message they heard, and you might want to underline this, the message they heard was of no value to them. The New King James says, The word which they heard did not profit them. That's what's happening today, folks. People are reading God's word and hearing God's word, but they're not profiting from it. They're reading God's word, they're hearing God's word, but it is of no value to them because they're not mixing it with their faith. They are not participating in what they're reading. They, they're like a, riding a bicycle with one pedal, they're reading the word. But they're not living the Word. They're not mixing the two together. And the Bible says, and it's of no value to them. See, God has given you the stories in this book in order to mentor your life. God has given you the stories in this book to help you understand how to have a good marriage. He's given you the stories in this book to help you understand how to get off the things you're addicted to. He's given you the stories in this book to help you understand how to deal with your guilt. He's given you the stories in this book to help you understand uh, how to manage your finances. He's given you the stories in this book to help you understand what it means to be forgiven. These people. This is a book of stories. This is a book about men and women like you and me who lived many years ago, but their stories were written down as examples for us. This is a book of stories to help you and to help me live a different and a better life. So how do we, how do we let the people of God mentor us? Well, let me give you one other scripture. I'm going to have a little fun with this. I'm going to tell you what the scripture is, and we're going to have Bible drill. Y'all remember what Bible drill is? First one to the scripture, stand up. Now, here's what I want to see. I want to see who's going to get it first. I want to see, is it the students or is it going to be one of the adults? So I want you to close your Bible. We're going to do an official Bible drill way, just like this. Hold your Bible. Now, if you've got one of those iPads, it's not going to work. You know, you're just out of luck. iPhone's not going to help you, Jamie. It's just not going to work. All right. Or whatever that is. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Bible in your. Hand. Oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in, in the pew rack. You can grab that if you need it. Here's what we're going to do: Bible drill time. Here's the scripture. Let me make sure we'll give you the right one. You ready? Now, when when you find it, here's what you do: you stand up with your finger on the scripture. Don't just be in the neighborhood and say, "I got it! I got it! I got it! I got it!" All right? You can't be in the neighborhood. You got to be on the scripture with your finger. Here's the scripture. Bible drill time, ready? Set. So what what did they say? Swords ready. Draw swords. Draw swords and what? Charge. How about ready, set, go? <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the scripture. Romans 15:4. Go. Stand when you have it. Romans fifteen four. Ah, we got, oh, oh, we got three adults stand up before the students. Oh, all right, that's good. Four adults. Wait, wait. <laughs> hey, you got close. You got close. You got close. All right, that's good. All right, that's good. That's good. I'll give you another chance in a little bit. We'll see if you can take it from the adults. All right, now, I won't. I want somebody. One of the adults, Andy, you got it right. I think you're about the first one. One of the first ones, uh, Andrea might have been the first one. I don't remember now. And, Andy, tell me the scripture. Romans fifteen four. Read it out loud for all of us, guys. Everything, listen to this, look at my Bible. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. To teach you. Teach you. So it would be very wise, wouldn't it, if we learn how to be a self-feeder. If we learn how to study God's Word for ourselves. Because everything that was written about things that happened in the past were written for us. So what I want to help you to do over the next few weeks is, is help you discern how, figure out how to be a self-feeder. You see, life gives us one of two very effective teachers. There are two teachers in life. Very effective teachers, both of them. These teachers have very different approaches to teaching you. But they're both very, very effective teachers. The two teachers in life, they have names, and their names are Wisdom And can you guess what the other, by chance, could you guess what the other teacher is in life? Huh? Experience is is a good word. It's close. Experience would be a good word. Wisdom and consequences. I don't know if I spelled that correctly, but we'll say I did. Okay, there are two great teachers in life. One is wisdom. One is consequences. They both teach us. They both teach us lessons sometimes we never forget. They're incredible teachers. But they approach what they teach us very differently. In fact, they can teach us the same lesson. But they approach how they teach us very, very differently. I need a couple of volunteers. You don't have to do anything really bad or too embarrassing. But uh, I, I need a couple of volunteers to come up front here for a second. All right, right there's one. And right there's two. Come on up here. Now, I appreciate you guys volunteering. All right. Now, for the sake of, of the adults who may not know you, I want you to introduce yourselves. What's your name? Dakota. Dakota. And. Taylor. And Taylor. You're the big deer hunter, right? We talked about the other night. We talked about that the other night, didn't we? Yeah. All right, Dakota and Taylor. Now, Taylor, I've got an assignment for you. I think. Don't you play football too? All right, I got the right guy then. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, you see that wall right, right over there. I want you to run as hard as you can into that wall. I'm gonna count it. You ready? We're at ten, nine, eight, seven. Seven. As hard as you can. Six, four, three, two. Go, son. You don't listen to your pastor. Now, t- tell me, why did you not run into that wall? It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah, it is going to hurt. How do you know it's going to hurt? Done hey, you've done it before. <laughs> I got the right person for the job. All right. All right. Dakota, that, uh, Taylor, that's really good. He's done it before. So you've learned, look, watch this. You've learned from consequences, haven't you? He's learned it. Come on over here. Seriously, you, you say right where you are, Dakota. He's learned a very important lesson. The important lesson is this. Wall is hard, nose is soft. Two don't mix very well, do they? So if you run as hard as you can into this hard wall, probably going to break your nose, right? Okay, so that's what we mean when we say learning by consequences. It's like, okay, some things you've got to learn the hard way. And he's apparently learned it the hard way because he wouldn't do it. He said, I've done that before. <laughs> And he still remembers what it was like. Now, Dakota, here's the sweet thing about you being here today. The good thing, I should say, about you being here today. Let's suppose that you're standing here and you're thinking about running into that wall. But you heard Dakota say what he, I mean, Taylor say, Dakota Taylor, Dakota Taylor. You heard Taylor talk about he's run into a wall before and it hurt. And especially, let's just pretend that he ran into it tonight and he broke his nose and he just got back from the doctor. He's got this big old bandage that goes kind of like this, you know, all the way across his face. So are you going to run into the wall like he did? No. No. Why are you not going to run into the wall? Because he did it. Because he did it? You're going to learn from his mistake. Is that right? Mm -hmm. You know what, what that's called? That's called wisdom. Consequences is when you learn from your own mistake. Wisdom is when you learn from the mistakes of somebody else. And because you learn from his mistakes, you avoid making the same mistakes. Let's give these guys a hand. Would you? Thank you. I'm going to tell you the biggest difference between, between consequences and wisdom. Wisdom teaches you the lesson before you make the mistake consequences teaches you the lesson after you make the mistake now which way would you rather learn i don't know about you i'd rather learn before the mistake there is great value in learning before the mistake now now look at this dakota learned from the mistake theoretically she learned from the mistake of taylor She doesn't have to experience the pain of having a broken nose because she's learning from the mistake that Taylor made. There's no reason for her to go through life with a broken nose because she has the wisdom to learn from somebody else. Bible drill time. Put your Bibles like this. I want to see some students popping up and beating these adults. All right, You guys got it in you. I know you do. Here's the Bible drill. Ready? Swords ready? Proverbs 22.3. 3. Go. Proverbs 22.3. 3. Right there. There we go. Joshua, we, we got students. We got two students. Good, good. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Joshua, congratulations. Now, would you read it to us? Proverbs 22.3. 3. Yeah. Hey, think about Dakota and Taylor. Listen to what it says. 22, 3. Here's what it says A prudent man. What's a prudent man? Somebody tell me what a prudent man is. Huh? Somebody with good judgment? You'd say a wise man, somebody that's smart. A prudent man, a, a man of wisdom, a man who's smart, sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple. Watch this. The simple keep going and suffer for it. Listen, 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 listen. Are you guys over there listening? Are you guys over here listening? I have seen in 27 years of pastoring, I've seen so many people who keep going and they suffer the consequences when all they needed to do was learn wisdom before it ever happened. Does that make sense? You see, life is going to teach you in one of two ways. You're either going to learn through wisdom, or you're going to learn through consequences. Wisdom teaches you before you make the mistake. Wisdom teaches you before you experience the pain. Wisdom teaches you before you lose your marriage. Wisdom teaches you before everything falls apart. Wisdom teaches you before you get addicted. Wisdom teaches you before. Consequences teaches you after. After the heartache, after the broken marriage, after the addiction, after the finances are in a mess, after you're racked with guilt, after you want to die. Consequences teaches you after. And that is why we need to study our Bible. Because the Bible will give you wisdom. In fact, if you read through the whole book of Proverbs, you'll see time and time again this concept of wisdom teaching you so that you don't have to experience the consequences of decisions. Now think for a moment. I wonder what it would be worth if we could get some of the great men and women of history to write down their mistakes so that we could avoid them. What, what would a book like that that would save you a lot of tears and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache if some of the great men and women of history would write down their stories so that you could avoid the mistakes that they made? It would be a very popular, very powerful book. And what if we could get some great men and women of history to write down their successes? Things that they did well. Things that helped them. Things that made them succeed in life. And we could read their stories and what they did in life and be mentored by that. That would be a very important and powerful book. And in essence, that's what you have in this book called the Bible. God took about 400 people. There's about 400 stories in this book. Or 400 people are written about in this book. Raw, unedited stories in this book. And they're not all perfect people. In fact, some of them are pretty messed up. Some of them are really messed up. I think I shared this the other night, but let's just think about a couple of those people that are really, really messed up. anybody ever heard of anybody ever heard of Noah? What was Noah's deal? What, what's he known for? What's his story? Huh? What did he do before that? He built the ark. Yeah. And in fact, they made a movie about him. Right? It's about to come out. And after he, after the ark, the Bible says that he, the Bible says that he was laying in a tent, naked, and he was drunk. Now, if you don't believe me, look it up. Not now. It was. It, I'm not going to say what I said in the men's group, but <laughs> some of you men were there. That's right, as the reason it was man church. That's right. Uh, give me another example. Somebody messed up. Samson, what was Samson's deal? What was his problem? Could not stay away from women. Smartest man in the world, and he could not stay away from women. He had a weakness for lust and women. Give me one more. Give me somebody else that's messed up. David, what was David's deal? How did he mess up? Same thing. I feel like we're about to go back into man church. (laughs) Here's what I want you to know. When you read the stories of those 400 people in this book, these are not stories of perfect people. Now, some of them are amazing people. Some of them are just like, they're so godly. They're so faith-filled. They were just so amazing in what God did in and through their lives. And then some of them are a lot like us who have their own struggles and their own problems and their families aren't perfect and they really are, are questioning God. Read, read in the Psalms and the Psalms, and we'll talk about this Sunday, Psalms questioning, God, where are you? Why are you so silent? So this is, this is good stuff if you'll just read it. Uh, kings, stories about kings and slaves and stories about housewives and prostitutes and stories about prophets and pagans Stories about fishermen and farmers. And the Bible tells us why we have those stories. I want you to go back to the scripture we looked at a moment ago. This will not be a Bible drill. Just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We were there a few minutes ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Look what it says, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. We don't have to make the same mistakes that Jacob made. We don't have to make the same mistakes that Esau made. We don't have to make the same mistakes that Samson made or that David made or that Peter made. God wrote out for us these things so that we wouldn't make... Those kind of mistakes. So. Here's what I want to know. Over the next four or five Wednesday nights, will you be here? I'm going to let you out early. Not quite yet. Don't get too excited. But I'm going to let you out early. I'm going to let you out early with an agreement. I'm going to let you out early in just a few minutes with an agreement. We're going to make a deal tonight. I'll let you out early. If you'll come back next Wednesday night with your notebook in hand and ready to learn how to study God's Word, how to be a self-feeder. Let me make sure you understand what I mean by self-feeder. A self-feeder is somebody who does not depend on Chris or your BSF teacher or Pastor Keith or somebody else to give you all that you need to know about God and all that you need to know about the Bible a self-feeder is somebody who can say, you know what, I'm going to listen to what Chris says, I'm going to listen to what Pastor Keith says, I'm going to listen to what my BSF teacher says, I'm going to learn from them, I appreciate them, I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn, but I'm also going to be feeding every day in God's Word. I'm going to learn how to feed myself. Now, I've eaten twice today. I didn't eat supper tonight, but I've eaten twice today. At no time, Now, I'm just going to tell you the way it is. You ready? At no time today did my wife feed me. Can you believe that? I I just sat there, and she would not feed me. That's why I didn't eat supper tonight. I I just finally, that's it, I'm not eating. If you won't feed me, I just won't eat. I've been a little facetious. That's not why I didn't eat supper tonight. But you know why I'm a self-feeder at home? Because I know Lisa would let me starve if I didn't feed myself. She'd say, feed yourself. You're a grown man. Feed yourself. I'm not your mama. Feed yourself. And there's sometimes in our lives, in our walk with God, where we are starving spiritually. We are spiritually malnutrition. How's that word mal? Malnourished. Thank you. Spiritually malnourished. Because all we're getting, we're getting something on Sunday, and we're trying to make it last till we come back the next Sunday. We're getting something on Sunday, we're trying to make it last till we come back on Wednesday night, and we're hoping that hump day is going to help us get over the hump till we get till next Sunday. And and then sometimes we, sometimes we even get mad. Watch this. Sometimes we even get mad, and we, and we say to one another. I ain't going to go to that church anymore. Why aren't you going? Why well, quit going? Well, why'd you quit going? Because I'm not getting fed over there. I, well, I'm just not getting fed by Pastor Keith anymore. So I quit. I'm not getting fed. Hey, listen, listen, listen. It is not my responsibility to feed you. It is your responsibility to feed yourself. When I stand in this pulpit on Sunday morning, I want you to know I have prayed, and I have studied, and I have worked, and I will do my best to feed you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But if all you get is Sunday morning or Wednesday night, you're not getting enough. And you are spiritually malnourished. Does that make sense? So I really want you to come back. I really want you to come back and join me on this journey. And it's going to be different. And it's not going to be me talking the whole time. I'll I'll do a lot of talking next week. But the the further we go, the less talking I will do. And the more studying you will do as you learn how to be a self-feeder. I want to close with one other scripture. And this is Bible drill time. And we've got a tie right now. Tell you what, we're going to use two other scriptures because i I got a whole other page of notes I forgot about. But I'm going to let you go home early anyway. All right. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here we go. You ready? Two scriptures. The first one is Proverbs 24, verse 30. Oh, man. Popping up all over. Who, who, who won it? I was looking down. I forgot. Who won it? All right. All right go ahead and read it for me. Read it for me. Proverbs, I'm sorry. Read verse 30, 31, and 32. I love, I love the ask, the, the, the part at, the, at the, the end there where it says, "I learned from what I saw. I plied it, I saw it, I plied it, and I learned from what I saw. Now tell me the sluggard Is the sluggard a good example or a poor example? Was, was his poor example? Listen, listen, listen. Some of the people in the Bible will inspire us by their successes. And some of the people in the Bible will disciple us by their scars. But they will all mentor us if we'll learn the lesson from what we see. If we will apply what we see, they'll all inspire and mentor us. I want to give you, before we leave, our theme verse for the entire study. Bible drill time for one last time. Our theme verse for the entire study. Bible's closed. Get ready. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. All right. would to go, Mark. All right. Andy, popping up. All right, good guy. Mark, read that for us, please. Jeremiah 15, 16. Look at this, guys. We're going to close with this. Listen to this. When your words came, Jeremiah is speaking. When your words came, what does it say? I did what? I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. I want you to be that kind of self-feeder. That's what I want for our students. That's what I want for our adults. I want you to be the kind of self-feeder where you say, I I ate the Word. I was a self-feeder. Nobody fed it to me. I ate the Word, and it was my joy, and it was my delight, my heart's desire. Now, before we leave, I, I know that some of you are probably saying, "Well, Pastor Keith, I already know how to study my Bible. I really... I mean, what, what am I, I've i been a Christian for 30 years. What am I going to learn from you about studying the Bible? I already do that. I do that on a daily basis. In fact, tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, I'll be up studying my Bible for an hour. I, how am I going to profit from this tonight or the, for the next several weeks? And then there's another people on the other end of the perspective, and you're saying, you know what? I've never really known how to study. I, I read it, but I don't get anything out of it. Nobody's ever really showed me how to study Uh so, so I'm really looking forward to this. this is, I hope this is going to help me, something practical to help me study my Bible. I know we got both groups here tonight. I recognize that. But let me speak to those of you who, who do study your Bible, and you already know how to study your Bible, and you're thinking, how am I going to gain anything from this? Let me speak to you in these terms. Do you realize that Tiger Woods has a coach? Now right now he really needs it the way he's playing, doesn't he? Uh, But he's got some back problems, too. Do you realize that uh, in the NFL draft coming up, most of the NFL draft, the top picks at least, they all have a coach, too. Which fascinates me because these people have played all of their lives. They've played their sport all of their lives. They have played their sport like Tiger professionally for many, many years. These, these college guys are about to go professional. Uh, they are at the top of their game. They know how to play. And yet, they have a coach. Why? What in the world? I've often wondered what in the world could a coach teach Tiger Woods? Listen, here's what it is the coach almost always works with them on the basics, the mechanics. Almost always. Somebody who will help them with the mechanics. Listen, watch this. Because sometimes they can't understand what they're doing wrong. They can't see it. And the coach can see what they're doing wrong in their mechanics. And and the basic stuff, the mechanics, the, the coach is helping this professional athlete because here's what he's learned. If you're going to keep being the best, you've got to keep working at being the best. And so I want to use that to apply it to your life and to mine and say this. I'll put it to you this way. Maybe this will get your attention. Somebody somebody once said, the secret to growing in divine wisdom is to come to God stupid. I love that quote. The secret to to growing in divine wisdom is to come to God stupid. Just to acknowledge, here's what he means. Just to acknowledge that God knows more than you do. God knows more than you do. He knows what we don't know. And God is looking for some PhDs. He's not looking for people who say, I got it all together and I know how to study and I've been doing it all my life and you've got nothing to teach me. He's not looking for those kind of people. He's looking for some PhDs. He's looking for some people who are poor and hungry and desperate. PhDs who will say, God, I don't have it all together. And there is still some things I need to learn. And if nothing else, God, teach me the mechanics again of how to study this book. And not just to read it, because that's just a one-pedal bicycle. I don't want to just read it. God, teach me how to read it and how to live it. Show me again even the mechanics of what it means to be a follower of Christ and how to read and live this book. Let's make that our prayer. Come back next Wednesday night. Let's jump in and learn how to be a self-feeder. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for these these guys that are here, these folks that are here. Thank you, Father, so much for your word, for stories that we can read of, of about 400 people. We can learn from their successes, and we can learn from their scars, and we don't have to run into the wall they ran into. May we, just between now and next week, may we begin to read the stories in the Bible with a different perspective. Uh, God, remind us through your Holy Spirit just to, to read the stories as if these men or women we are meeting in Scripture each morning is a mentor trying to speak to us about how to live life more effectively. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.